If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Smash it up. Welcome, everybody, to the Monday Smash. It was postponed because our guy was stuck in Tampa. Stuck in Tampa, <laughs> and he wasn't watching the Buccaneers. He's Irish O'Fell, the managing editor of Warchant.com. My name is Tom Lang, and it's Clemson week. Florida State is 3-0 on Clemson Week, something a month ago everybody would have signed up for, just like they're signing up for Warchant.com. Ira, how's it going, man? It's good, Tom. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm pumped up. You know, there's uh, a lot of stuff to get to today. Um, I think we took a, a bit of a different path with the post game. Uh, I had a post game show take. Sometimes it was a little fiery. Sometimes it wasn't. You guys hashed it out on the wrap, but then you have your 3-2-1 column live on Warchant.com right now with a greater perspective as we are a couple of days removed from the result. But uh, Ira, you know, I just want to start with this before we get into maybe the differences in how we perceived the Boston College performance. Florida State's going to play well this weekend against Clemson. Like This is a different beast. The, the test or, or the issues you may have with Boston College shouldn't translate to a road trip to play Clemson, right? I mean, we could both agree on that. Yeah, and that was the weird thing about today's press conferences. You know, we if people haven't watched them, you can watch the press conferences with Mike Norvell and his three coordinators. Um, it was kind of like I kind of didn't even want to ask that many questions about Boston College because I feel like it was a kind of a I, – I feel like, you know, Corey wrote after the game, was it an anomaly or should we should we be alarmed? And I think it was an anomaly. Now we'll see. There's There's some evidence that makes you wonder because, you know, they weren't necessarily crisp uh, the week before, but – um, I don't know that a lot of the issues that affected you in that Boston College game are going to come up this week. Yeah. Uh, you, the quarterback's not going to be the same kind of playmaker, a uh, different kind of playmaker. Um, you know, hopefully you're past the vi- viruses or whatever have been affecting the team. Uh, you're not playing a team you're 25 point favorites against. Uh, they're not honoring their fallen 9 11 hero. I mean, there's like a lot of things that were going on in that game that won't apply to this game. Now you're playing a better team. So right. that's its own issue. But to me, it's like I have there's a lot of other questions I would have liked to have asked today at the press conference, but a bunch of them was like, I don't know that they really apply. So and it's a big week. And yeah. this is the only yeah. chance we get to talk to these coordinators. So yeah. we kind of had to start looking ahead too. So just kind of it's a weird, it's a weird window, I think. 
So, okay, let's vet that out a little bit about the press conferences before we get to what we're talking about. As a reminder, as you folks are filing into the room, welcome. This is the Monday Smash presented by State Farm agent Russ Voorhis, a longtime supporter of Warchant.com, an FSU booster through and through, endowed scholarships. I mean, if you want to support somebody who supports Florida State Athletics, this is your guy. Phone numbers underneath RussVorhis.com. We'll talk more about Russ in just a little bit. But Mike Norvell has a chance to set the tone for Clemson week. You know, every Monday when they do have the press conferences, you know, LSU didn't happen because of the nature of the short week. But she kind of set the tone. You can either look back at the previous game a bunch or you can just press forward and say, here's where we're going to go from here. Proud of the boys, proud of the effort. And here's where we go. What did you take out of Mike Norvell's opening statement today and and the path he took when he was trying to wrap up BC and then look forward to to Clemson? Uh, You know, I think he was uh, still pretty ticked about Boston college. I think he was going to yep. use that as, a, as an opportunity to, to really, you know, hammer the point home because they're going to be in these situations later in the season. It won't apply this week. You know, Clemson's going to get everything Florida state's got is going to be yep. on that field Saturday, but there'll be another situation. If you win that game or if you lose it, but if you win that game, <clears throat> you've got to come back and, and play against a bunch of teams. You might be favored by 10, 14, 20, 20, 20 points against. So, are you going to be able to learn this lesson? Um, So I think that was, so I think he sees that moment. Um, But I also think, but I also think that was a continuation of Sunday. You know, they do meet on Sunday uh, and they have that like practice Sunday night where they have the, you know, they let the younger guys play. And from what I, you know, was hurt, what I was told, you know, the the players heard plenty about Boston college (laughs) as of by Sunday. And, uh, and I think that's going to continue probably today. And in any conversations they have, maybe position coaches and things like that. I think tomorrow they'll move on. I think when we go out there for Tuesday's practice, it'll be much more focused on Clemson. But yeah, man, I don't think he passed up this opportunity, right? No, I agree. And Justin, thank you very much for the contribution. He says, Coach Norvell teams always get up for big games. Even without the talent the past few years, they, they gave Clemson a hard time. And that's 100% sure. true. Yeah. You could say that about Brian Kelly, uh, coach teams under Mike Norvell. You could say it about the Clemson game. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think the application of this lesson, Ira, you're not going to know till later. In, right. in the schedule. It's not necessarily about this week, uh, but I just, I did find it interesting that Mike wanted to really drive that point home. Right. I don't disagree with it. I was extremely critical on the post game show, uh, but then, you know, you just wonder if he was going to blow past that or, or really talk about it and confront it, which is a word that he used in his press conference. And even in just a few moments ago, Florida state on their social media released the cinematic recap. And I wonder, you know, the choice of what you decide to spend time on. Mike Norvell is very involved in that, Ira, and you saw that uh, he decided to put the part of the speech where he says, I commend you for the win, but that's not the standard. The standard's way higher than just that. So it's good. And he needs to because that's what he's been preaching. You know, he's been preaching that all offseason, and the players have been parroting it. But if you really believe it, if you're really going to live it, you don't play the way you played in that game. Um, and so that, you know, that's, it's gotta be probably a little bit frustrating, but more importantly, I think if you're a coach, I don't know, man, I think, you know, I was actually talking to coach Henshaw, George Henshaw, who will, I'll be getting together with him for a, for a Henshaw's house this week. Um, but we were just talking on the phone today and he, he's of the opinion, man, like you don't want to, he's like, I get the idea that this could be beneficial, but he's like, man, I don't want that. If I'm a coach, I don't I don't want to go through that. Like I want to. I want to be on top of it. So Norvell probably would have preferred they played a complete game. I guess my point is this team's never been there before. 
mm-hmm. so I'm not shocked that they, this would happen to them. Um, but man, they, they're, you got to feel good that they got to have it with a win. And, um, you know, but to your point, I think you're right. I think if, if, if he had been very, let's move on with his opening statement, the press conference might've gone quicker to that because right. it is a big game this week, but he clearly wanted to keep talking about it. So we, we obliged him. So we'll vet it a little bit. Let's start with the defense. You know, maybe the, the differences of what we saw. Um, for me, obviously, it is the first half that is the real culprit. Then down the stretch in the second half with, you know, second and longs and third and longs and, and those kinds of breakdowns. But I thought the catalyst for the rally in the second half had to do with turnovers much more than it did necessarily with the defense. But Ira, your thoughts, I mean, you saw it in person. So uh, maybe extra observations from the sideline. But they're talking about Coach Norvell did in the postgame and then today. Uh, about you know 10 guys getting the call maybe the the 11th guy didn't miscommunication again timeliness of getting calls in uh, and those led to the break the ball finds the one person who's making the mistake uh, how did how did that jive with with what you saw with your own eyes in person because the tv camera angle sometimes is, is a little tighter so you can't see what everybody's doing but how, how did you take that in on saturday yeah it's funny you say that because there's positives and negatives there's positives that yeah, in your person, you do get to see the overhead view. The negative is you don't get to see replays, it's, especially in that stadium, uh, in that press box, they just don't have TV cameras where we're sitting. So mm-hmm. I was texting Corey and Aslan during the, during the game, like, Hey, what happened on that play? Right. Because, you know, I didn't see exactly where the bus was. And so, but you know, to your point, they couldn't always identify it either. Exactly. Um, yeah, I guess my thing is like, in in the in you know you and I were talking before about the difference between you know the post game show and Corey's column even which is like instant reaction just kind of you know kind of emotional and what I write in the three two one which is usually like a twenty four to thirty six hours later is you know usually it's going to be a little bit more big picture and a little bit and and so when I'm doing that like I'm usually thinking okay were these issues micro or macro and you know to me if they're micro issues okay let's talk about those individual issues. But when it becomes like similar issues at different positions and across the team, then I start thinking, okay, maybe this is more of a macro problem. And now I'm not so focused on this guy's assignment or what's this guy's assignment on this play or what's and right. because it's just like, man, you can't make all the different kinds of mistakes they made um, and all those be micro issues. So, so that's kind of, so I, I, I addressed it more like from a macro, I didn't get into the weeds of the individual issues, but um but that to me, that's also like disappointing that you had, and I wrote about it in the three to one. Like, who who was stepping up during all that? Like, I saw, I did see uh, a couple situations on the sideline. Like after Trey Benson fumbled, he's over on the sideline, and Jordan Travis is talking to him. And this is, you know, probably a couple minutes after that he failed to recover the kick. Uh, Jordan's talking to him, and Trey, you know, you could tell he was down about. It. He was trying to recreate to Jordan what happened. Like he was showing him what happened. So he obviously took it to heart and he was upset about it. And then Jeremiah Byers came over. And again, this is one of those guys that I, I want to see some leadership from. Yeah. He went over and he kind of got him back. He's, and he was basically like, we got this. Don't worry about it. You know, we're, we got this. Um, so I didn't see like sniping on the sideline. I didn't see just crazy frustration or anything. I saw mostly guys supporting each other, but it needs to apply on the field. Like guys have to step up and dominate when you go back on the field. And that didn't happen. Um, so yeah. that, that's, that's kind of when they bothered me about a team that we talk about how experienced they are. Right. And how professional mature, like, right. you know, you flush right. that and, and you don't let something become contagious, but it seemed like things were contagious. Yes. Um, you know, even one play, a positive play, 
that Jordan bailed everybody out of was the ground ball snap on a third yeah. and eight from Darius Washington. And he just kind of casually runs for 10 yards and, and they start moving the chains on that drive. But I mean, it, you know, well, think about that. And Darius is, you know, granted center's not his natural position, Yep. but again, man, that's a moment where you can't have that happen. Right. Right. You know, and, yeah. and you're a guy that's been in this program now for four years or yeah. five years. And I, that's the source of my frustration. Like, you know, you get to the micro stuff. I had a list on the post game show. I, I filled a page. You know how big that notebook is. I bring it to practice. I had a whole page of problems and I was missing quite a few. Like I didn't even talk about the third and 17 that Mike harped on today, which was what the hell was that in a 31, 10 ball game. But how many times did you say, you know, for you folks home, if you're watching on television or if you're in the stands, if you made the trip, that can't happen. Like oh, that's, man. that's the issues. How many times did you say that had to have been over 10 where he's that can't happen. And to me, I, it started with that first drive in which you have two communication breakdowns. I, I love how Mike Norvell spins things too. And, and like a PR way goes opportunities for communication that were lost. <laughs> like, okay. So you had yeah, two opportunities for communication that were lost. Ira, <laughs> where nobody's covering a guy like that's yeah. the first drive of the game. It's not, they make adjustments or, there's a trick play. They cover the trick play well with the toss pass. That they had that accounted for very nicely. But just as Corey called them layups, you know these are these are freebies, and that's the first drive of the game. That's where I mean already you know, the antennas are up. I think at that point. Yeah, no, it was it was sloppy from the start defensively for sure. I mean those first two drives. I mean they just Boston College just got what kind of I mean it was ridiculous in some of those plays. And that and that you know was one of the things I brought to Fuller today was that you know they have had a lot of blown assignments in terms of pass coverage where guys have been running free that you really didn't see that much last year. I know that there yeah. are a you know a couple instances here or there. People are always going to point to those. But if you look at it from a big picture standpoint, this was not a defense that gave up a lot of cheapies, 40, 50 yard wide open guys. And and but this year so far that's kind of become a it's been a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Um and you know I don't know if it correlates to the fact that they're trying to be much more aggressive in terms of making plays. That's been a huge talking point. We've written about it. We've talked about it. Patrick Sertan talked about it. We celebrated it, that they're going to be more ball hawking. They're going to try to create turnovers. And it just makes you wonder because it sounds like some of the things that from talking to DJ Lundy after the game, I mean, DJ Lundy after the game was blunt about it. He's like, yeah, man, we have defensive linemen have to stay in their lanes. Uh, You know, linebackers have to not try to do somebody else's job. Norvell mentioned it as well. So I think if you get in that mentality of trying to make big plays and you don't really respect your opponent, now I think you're going to take chances that you shouldn't take and you can get exposed. So, I, But again, that that's not going to apply this week. Sure. Yes, uh, agreed. Yeah, it's not going to be for a lack of, you know, he called it focus penalties or focus issues or communication issues. Uh, I would think it, it, it gets simplified. I think they tried to throw some wrinkles out there defensively and it just, it didn't work. <laughs> like guys were not where they were supposed to be. You can look at linebackers. I know, Ira, we talked about this last year with, you know, the defensive interior being so injured and how at some point it looked like the linebackers were guessing, you know, and they, they yeah. were hopping from one gap to the next. I killed Omar Graham for that in the post game, But, I mean, that was a big third down coming out of the shadow of their end zone. And, in fact, I'll, I'll get into the weeds about that sequence, Ira, because something we saw a lot in camp. Carol asked a good question. I'll wipe this up, and I'll, I'll get to your question in a second, Carol. Uh, something we saw in camp was you know defenders the secondary passing guys off communicating well even if it was down to the young guys if the receivers run some sort of two-man game the, the defensive back the slot man in the outside corner know exactly what to do they're in phase they're in a good place azaria thomas just before this long run that i'm talking about 
he gets and, and uh, passes off the responsibility of a receiver off to the next guy. I think it might have been Ashlyn Barker was on the field. Right. Might have been the slot corner. Comes up, he makes a big tackle in space, and it's a third and long. And that's what sets up the sequence uh, where Omar guesses incorrectly. Just it cannot happen in that situation. But it, that's a moment where the training worked, Ira, the Azaria play. Right. So like you see it, and to Carol's question, so does this miscommunication on defense happen in practice, or can you simulate that? We don't see a whole lot of communication breakdowns in practice, or at least I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. What have you seen that you're willing or, or at least comfortable enough to discuss from fall camp to now? I mean, there's occasionally, you know, every once in a while you'll see, you know, and, and again, once we get into the season, uh, Carol, you, once we get into the season, it's a lot of scout team work. So the the defense is working against the scout team offense, which is not like, you know, it's not the best players. It's usually walk-ons and or freshmen that are not going to make the travel squad um, or may not even suit up for a game. So it's it's basically your third, fourth team kind of guys. And so even if there is a breakdown, sometimes it's hard to know if – because the maybe the quarterback doesn't make the right throw or the receiver doesn't – you know, it's just – it's not – it's hard to get – when they work good on good, you don't see a lot of them. There have been times working against the scout team where I've thought, that looks like that might have been a bust there. Uh, yeah. But maybe it didn't get paid off. But um, but I think, you know, when I watch it in that game, um, you know, I just think that you had it to me, it seemed like um, some of it was guys that you wouldn't expect it from. And even up to, yeah. even on the defensive front, you know, yep. there were a couple of the runs where he gets out of contain where, you know, it's like Josh Farmer maybe goes in kind of maybe gets out of his gap and then somebody else could, like they were it was almost like they weren't in sync, you know, like they were, they were leaving big gaps um, sometimes. And then also, you know, situations where, um, you know, maybe a, a, a safety runs like two guys go with the same guy and yep. leave somebody else wide open, which I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess those are, I mean, they drill it as much as they can drill it. I don't know why it would happen in a game like that other than, you know, guys just not being focused. I don't know how else to put it on it. It's not like, uh, it's not yeah. like these guys can't do it. They've done it before. Yeah, and and uh, I think you know Coach Norvell said they rip it 190 times was the right. exaggerated way of saying it, and they do it right. And why does it not happen in the game? And maybe it's because of lack of focus and walkthrough, or or Friday, or whatever it is. But I mean, it, it's on the coach's radar now at this point that it's yeah. And I you. and I also didn't. I mean, there were some decisions from a I assume from a coaching standpoint that I didn't love either. I mean, they at one point and they tried a lot of different things to deal with Castellanos. Um, whether it was spying or whether it was bringing pressure or not bringing pressure. They brought more blitzes early than one would think. Like the narrative right. is they just started to call blitzes at the end, but no, there were there were quite a few blitzes early. But Yeah, and, and the, but then there were a couple of times where a couple of the big plays where like they were doing the thing where the defensive linemen were like acting like they were going to rush, but then just kind of paused and waited to see what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Well, now, but then on the back end, it looked like they were, they might've been playing zone. Yeah. And it's like, well, man, I, how long do you want those guys to cover? Correct. I mean, you know, if he's going to sit there and hold the ball and I get that you're afraid of him running with it, but what are you going to do? And then, and then if you, if you, if you only worry about containing him now, you're, there's probably going to be a a situation where he can get basically one defensive lineman in space and now it's, it's a wrap. So I just, I didn't love the approach to it either. Um, But again, like how much are we, do we, I mean, even right now, I feel like, why am I harping on this? They're not, they're not going to see that this week. So it's, Right. You know, no, it's know. just it's just the idea that okay, um, that was the game plan. Interesting, uh, or you know, this is how you pair one concept with the other. And you're talking about it. You know, o- OG was a guy who had 
a few bad moments. He didn't have a ton of snaps out there, but quite a few that were rough. But, I mean, in the end, Ira, there's a third and off their goal line again. It's a third and ten and a run by Castellanos, and you have both Deloach and Lundy double covering guys to the perimeter and parting the Red Sea for him and allowing him to run right up the middle. And those are veterans who have been around uh, Bethune and Deloach, if I didn't say that properly. Um, and then in two other instances in which either Deloach or Bethune, different plays, double cover a guy and vacate the middle. So it's like, you know, uh, there was one play where Braden Fisk is being talked about in the analysis on TV, Ira, for a breaking contain. Well, there's supposed to be a linebacker there to, to clean up right. the mess, but he's not there because he's covering somebody he shouldn't cover. And, and it's not always – you can't always know, Ira, you know, and everybody out there, exactly what the call is defensively, but you can kind of tell in some instances. And in this case, you could tell that the linebacker was – was not where they were supposed to be an awful lot in this game. And, and that's what led to a lot of those runs where on a second and long or a third and long Castellanos turns a drive that's dead in the water to now a problem for Florida state. And back to Carol's question, kind of to, like maybe just discuss the mechanics of it all. So when calls are made, um, the players on the field then are communicating to each other, especially if they're making checks during a play. Yeah. So you'll see, if you're watching the game, you'll see like the linebackers, communicate to each other, communicate to the defensive line, communicate to the defensive backs. And they're, if, 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 if the defense is doing what they're supposed to do, they're over-communicating. Mm-hmm. Everybody is constantly you know, like just reiterating, this is what I got. This is what I got. This is what we're doing, right? This is what I got. And then you can figure out if anything. And it seemed like in this game, again, from watching the press box, there were a few times where it looked like there were guys still trying to figure that out. Like it wasn't – all on the same page, which I think led to some of that. Um, but again, like, I don't know, I don't know where the breakdown is, you know? And again, it seemed like it was in different places, which again, makes me feel like, man, just in general, they were not in sync. And whether that's guys being sick, whether that's not, you know, thinking the game was over at 31 10. Uh, I think there's, a, you know, probably several different factors that went into it. Yeah. Hog watcher says, watch a second time and you'll see things differently you will yeah no 100 percent. there'll be things that you were mad at you're like oh that wasn't so bad and then you'll be things you never saw and you, and you realize ooh, that's that's not so great or you'll praise somebody for making a play that you thought they did something completely wrong uh totally Noel says one player who misses his assignment the other player covers for it well then he misses his right. own yes yeah exactly it, it's it's whack-a-mole it's whack-a-mole and and that's what i think happened which is why ira i think you had an exasperated looking at him fuller when they cut to the sidelines a few times and the way Mike sounded in his post game, and the way he sounded today, it's just he is concerned with what he saw, and and he knows it's not one simple fix. There are a lot of different things that need to be cleaned up. But again, Boston College week is different than Clemson week, so it shouldn't right. be something that beyond a, a, a paint peeling message in in a meeting room, it shouldn't be an issue this week at all. And that's where I, you know, and again, I think you, I and mean, this is not me making excuses for anybody, but like. To me, the the over the top fire everybody stuff, which you know, is laughable, is it's not acknowledging what happens when it works right. So, like in the second half of that LSU game, where they just completely shut down LSU so that the offense could just tear off a you know go up by twenty eight points because it, partly because the defense was dominating LSU, that happened. That's the same defensive staff. Right. The first half against Southern Miss where they had 70 yards and basically one play, uh, you know, they had one really good play. They got them the three points, but 70 yards of total offense. That was the same defense from the point when it was 10 to three Boston college to the point where it was 31 to 10 Florida state, a 28, nothing run. 
those 36 minutes of game time where Boston College got nothing. They had five possessions and got nothing. Uh, two or three, three and outs, a four and out, and an interception. For I mean, that's a big sample. That's So you're, yeah. my point is, you're, yeah, this defense has had stretches where it's been phenomenal. And so that's the same staff. These are the same players. So Norvell's job is to figure out a way to get them to do it for 60 minutes. And that's and ultimately, if he doesn't, that's going to be on him and, and his coaching yeah. staff. Well, you know, that, at, at some point, that's where it goes next. Because you have the talent and you, you know, you've had some slip-ups, but if it continues, now you start pointing to the coaches. Well, and, and that's where, if you flip it the other side, I'll play the devil on the shoulder versus the angel here, is, all right, despite large swaths of very, very good play, undoubtedly, objectively true, they still have 450 yards at the end of the game, or, or LSU in the first half had 300 yards. Like the LSU yeah. one is a little bit more understandable. It's LSU. I mean, look what they just did this weekend in Mississippi State. And that quarterback is singularly gifted. I don't know the Castellanos is on that level, but then, Ira, there's the subtext of the game, you know, the opponent's different. Right. And then there might have been a, a, a bug. There certainly was a bug going around the team, which also impacts things. Uh, let's move to the offense before we get to questions. So, what was your take on the offense? After the first half, because in the first half and even the beginning of the third quarter, it's lights out. They're nine yards of play. Uh, they didn't have the ball, but one time in the first quarter. But what did you how did you assess what you saw on Saturday there? Yeah, I mean, I thought and I thought Norvell, I think it was Mike Norvell that said it today. I think I think he said it today that, you know, when you only get the ball one time in a quarter, you know, it feels like antsy. You know, you feel like, you yeah. know, and, 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 and so I think from a fan standpoint, you're sitting there going, man, we're down 10 to three and we haven't you know, done anything on offense and you're, you get frustrated about the offense. Well, the offense had had the ball one time at that point and they end up scoring, you know, the next however many straight possessions. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was, it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, now that the, the one thing that concerned me about the offense a little bit is BC's run defense coming into this game had been non-existent. Mm -hmm. Like Holy cross ran all over them. Northern Illinois ran all, ran all over them. There were situations in that game where BC only had six guys in the box and Florida State didn't make them pay for it. Yep. That concerned me a little bit. Like, why? Where's that? Like, to me, that, but again, I don't know what, I don't know. I can't make Mike Norvell tell us why he's calling what he's calling. Like, in the Southern Miss game, when they were taking all those shots down the field, Mike Norvell said on Monday that that was their plan. Their plan was to take a lot of shots, wear them out, get them tired, and then pound them as the game went on. Okay. Well, maybe that's true. I mean, it's what he said. So I'm going to assume it's true, but here's another opportunity in an ACC game where they're basically saying, you know, we're going to let you try to run the ball, even though we're, we're not good up front. I thought BC would try to stack the line. Yep. But they really, they really didn't. I mean, maybe in some situations, but, but in the first half they weren't and Florida State didn't really make it. So, I, so that was a little bit weird to me that, that they couldn't run for big gains, against the defense that had not been good against the run. Yeah, I think specifically in the second half. Like, the times they did run in the first, it was fine. I, I, for the most part, um, there were a couple of breakdowns that are I, – I wonder about some of the starters and, and their aptitude in, in either the gap scheme. And, again, that sounds like in the weedsy, and I'm not like a 15, 20-year offensive line coach guy. I'm just watching these plays in slow motion, and I'm seeing sometimes guys don't look like they're where they need to be because, um, you know, when you work in tandem and counter – there's one guy that leads the way, and the second blocker behind him usually has an easy read to make. But I'm watching that second guy look around and saying, what do I do? It's because maybe the person in front of him is not making the correct decision. 
It's a long way well, of saying that some of these guys that, that are on the starting offensive line this year, I think it's still a work in progress to get to some of those things that they did so well last year, like a machine. Yeah, and it's also fair to point out that I mean, you or you have, and we didn't talk about today at the press conference because I mean he's not going to talk about injuries much, but you know you haven't had Maurice Smith or Robert Scott for these last couple of games, and and not only do you not have them, but now you're having to play guys at other positions. You know Maurice, and they'll you know there are plays with counter where they'll pull the center. Well, Darius is I mean Maurice, man, he knows this offense front and back. Darius is a different guy. Bless played mostly right tackle last year and then he got hurt he missed the whole year so now you've got him at left tackle and then these other guys Roddick and Byers are new to the offense so I think that's a it's a good point like these this isn't just because it's Alex Atkins doesn't mean it's exactly the same you're gonna get the same looks right yeah um all right I was sitting on my hands uh Byers is struggling in this scheme I'll just outright say it you know there's there's a learning curve clearly uh there are times where it looks like he's not forcefully going where they want him to go and then I, I think, honestly, Ira, if you're talking about uh, Robert Scott or, or Maurice Smith, they miss Maurice way more. It's not that yeah. Darius isn't strong enough to do the job necessary. And, look, I talked about the one bad snap, but largely that wasn't an issue. You didn't see Jordan Travis having to go down and get the ball or jump up high to get the ball very often. Um, but there's a comfort level and a fluidity where they get downhill, and you just don't see that a whole lot. I thought when Keandre Jones came in, he made some mistakes, and Alex Atkins called out the mistakes because he's new as well. But he got downhill, and he blocked very forcefully on the right side when he came in for Dimitri Emanuel. It's just the gelling hasn't happened. You know, I think that is that fair to say at this point that it can still happen. It, it comes with experience next to each other, but the gelling hasn't happened to where everything looks smooth like it has, you know, for the last couple of years with with counter. Yeah, and I but I also think you are playing without two of your best offensive linemen, and and the center is so important to so much of it. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, I also think you know that that will get better. Um, I'll be surprised if it doesn't get better. Um, and, uh, you know, the other thing, like the other part of it though, is like, you're there. I don't, I also don't know that the backs are reading stuff, right. And maybe that's because of maybe the uncertainty about their feelings about the, the blockers, you know, how that's going to set up. But, you know, it was, it was, Last year, Trey in the second half of last season was a completely different guy. Now, maybe it was because things had gelled up front at that point, and he has not been that guy. Like I think we all thought the Trey we saw in the last six games of last season, it was going to pick up right there. Well, it really kind of hasn't picked up right there, but to your point, I mean, it, part of the offensive line could be part of that issue. I think it's I think it's all it, it's it's all of the above. I think you're right. There are times when Trey looks timid, and and that's easy to see because he's he's away from the action. It's harder to parse like what an offensive line is doing, and and you know the nuances of each step they take. But I think even you know some of those down the line shots you could see on the broadcast. I it seems like there's almost a gathering before the offensive line decides what to do. So it's just it's almost like there's a pause, and I know that some of that in in scheming is. You know, you're looking at your angles, you're trying to create your angles, get downhill, make blocks. But some of that, it just, it looks different from last year when they were a machine and they were getting downhill and, and it was a hat on a hat where it needed to be and they get going. It, it just looks a little bit disjointed. Well, I, think about what you had last year, though. You had, I mean, especially from 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 right guard over, Dimitri Emanuel had been, has been in Alex Atkins' system since, I don't know, man, like you were in an undergrad. Um, I mean, he's literally... <laughs> he's been in the system for a long time. 
Maurice Smith's been in the system for a long time. Dylan Gibbons was a super smart kid and been in the system for a couple of years. And Robert Scott had been in the system for a long time. So you, you know, you, you had, and then, you know, whether it was Darius or whoever at the other spot, but this is, you know, this is, we talk about all the talent and the depth on the offensive line, but without Maurice and Robert, it becomes a pretty new looking offensive line. Yeah, and it makes mistakes that look like that. And I see a couple folks in the chat talking about Rodney Hill. I mean, they caught, they singled him out in the post game. Alex Atkins talked about him today. It was a question, but he could have you know moved on quickly. Rodney's been impressive because he's been more decisive. You know, so if you're going to make an argument like uh, like Ira's making, which is you know, the running backs can help this matter too, then Rodney Hill is the first place you go, right? Because that dude was explosive. He had back to back explosive runs. Uh, I don't know if it wasn't if it was by definition back-to-back explosive runs, but it's 30 yards and two plays, and it just looked like the offense was was different. It was more, uh, I don't know, I, I hate to use the word over and over again, but just decisive, um, more violent, more attacking. Uh, do you think that he gets more carries this week? Because it seems like the coaching staff is trying to tell you ahead of time that he's earned more carries. I'm curious. You know, I think, again, like this is where Corey and I argue sometimes because Corey, I think, is ready to, let's go Rodney Hill. And and I get that, but I also think you got to remember that Trey Benson is a unique running back if he gets back on track. Like there are Rodney Hill still can get grabbed by somebody and thrown aside. That's not happening to Trey Benson. So I get it that Rodney looks great and he's been decisive and all that. That's and I'm for it. But I think it's more important to get Trey right than it is to just kind of move. You know, I'm not saying that they would move away from Trey, but to just start diminishing his carries completely. Because I think he's a guy, especially as you start playing bigger, stronger defenses, you're going to want to make sure Trey Benson's there too. Hey, headliners, it's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple years ago, I wanted to create and sell headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you guys. But I had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you'll need to grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. So you'll sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I really love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, now to grow your business, no matter what stage of the game you're in. Shopify.com slash warchant. We do need to talk about the quarterback and maybe a little bit of Keon Coleman too uh, before we get to your questions. But before that... Support those who support Florida State Athletics. Support somebody like Russ Voorhees, State Farm Agent Russ Voorhees, who has two offices on the east coast of Florida. There you see Jacksonville Beach and Orange Park at the bottom of the screen. Those are the numbers. But he represents the entirety of the state of Florida, the entirety of the state of Georgia and Alabama. So if you have interest or need in somebody who you can trust, somebody who, again, has interests like you do with Florida State Athletics and supports us at warchant.com, Russ Voorhees is your guy. 
I know, Ira, you had an experience uh, way back when, when you were able to just fire questions off to Russ, where, you know, whether or not uh, you land his services for every single thing you do, he, he'll take your questions. Yeah, no, really good guy. Very good customer service. And I had a pretty funny uh, Russ Voorhis Monday smash or Sunday smash story from the weekend when I was up in Boston. I was at the airport and talking to a guy and he said, he goes, yeah. He came up to me and we started talking and he said, yeah, because I was at the Red Sox. I think the Yankees Red Sox played Thursday night. And uh, he's like, and I'm sitting there and I hear a guy talking to me behind me about Florida State. And then we start talking. He said he's got insurance offices in Jacksonville. And he and it turns out he goes, it's Russ. It's your guy, Russ. So and uh, so that was, I think it was good for Russ to hear that uh, the, the the supporters are, are out there watching as well. So, yeah, no, give him a shot. Uh, like we said, I mean, you're, there's uh, you know, I think insurance is one of those things like, um, you know, like, you know, either your cable provider or whatever, where, you know, once you have something, it's just easy to let it auto renew and just stick with it. Yep. But uh, give Russ a shot. I think uh, you'll like uh, his services. You see what he looks like at the bottom of the screen? He's a, he's a tall dude, so he Big will stand guy. out in a crowd. That's uh, RussForHis.com. 15 seconds more about Russ, and then we'll get to the next part of the conversation. Contact Russ Boris for an auto quote today. It hasn't been contentious by any means, but it's not the most comfortable Monday smash ever because we're talking about things Florida State's got to get better at. But you know what? As Coach Norvell said, you got to confront those things. So Ira, uh, quarterback play through three weeks. Jordan Travis is a really, really good player. Nobody denies this. Rightfully was a preseason favorite for the Heisman if you just look at futures odds and things like that. Uh, how would you assess Jordan's play through the first three games? based upon your expectations, maybe what you saw in camp, and then what you're seeing play out week by week. What do you think so far? Yeah, I don't think he's played um, – it's it's one of those things that's like hard to say because I don't think he's played as good as he can play. Mm-hmm. But they've also been really good. I mean, they're, they're – you know, they they there are stretches in these games where they'll score five, six, seven straight possessions. I mean, from the, the basically end of the first half against LSU through the rest of that game, they couldn't be stopped. Uh, Southern Miss, they really couldn't be stopped the whole game. And then this game, for, for the majority until the fourth quarter, they really couldn't be stopped. So it's hard to like say, with, oh, we, we don't like this or that. Um, but I think we've seen Jordan play better. Um, I think it's just going to be a challenge. And I, I think this is the challenge we talked about a little bit on Jeff's show today. Like I just think this was always going to be somewhat of a challenge for this offense to try to keep everybody involved and, and use all of the weapons because it's got to be tempting to throw – deep to Johnny Wilson. It's got to be tempting to see if you one-on-one coverage against Keon Coleman and you saw what he did in the season opener, it's got to be tempting to take those shots. Um, but I also think there were a lot of things underneath, especially in this past game, especially also when things were unraveling that he could have checked down to and not even checked down to in some of them. They, I think they should have been his first read if it's third yeah. and three or yep. something like that. And you, and you know, man, I don't, I, this play, the first read may be Johnny, and if he gets one-on-one, go for it. But in the situation, if it's third and three, and you've got – and you Tua Philly's wide open in the flat, you need to go ahead and take that. And there were some other plays like that as well. So I think he could play better. Um, but, again, I'm, it's hard to get too upset because man, they, they – they, if you look at their drives, points per possession and drives, you know, that they score on, it's it's pretty pretty impressive. It's an alarming rate. It's just that, yeah, you know, there's there's less polish. Um, 
it's hard to know what this offense is at this point. And that was one of my concerns in the offseason was like you're just talking about. There's only one football. There's so many guys. And when push comes to shove, what are you? And, and I think, you know, Jordan's the centerpiece of that, no doubt, you know, whether it's with his legs. And he had a couple good runs in this game. Uh, one where the, the mesh point looked like straight out of Wake Forest playbook. I he rode the mesh point for about two or three steps. And then he gets out in the open field for a gain of about 14, 15 yards. Or it could be about deep downfield shots. It could be, you know, you're just so scared. Now you play deep. He throws underneath. That second half against LSU was a little bit of everything. It was a little bit of everything, and it was a machine. That's what we saw for so much of fall camp. So maybe I, the, the media, in a way, Ira, maybe we hold a, a high standard, higher standard, because he was just so damn good every day in camp. I think that's possible. I also think it's possible that, you know, he will – play differently depending on the op- the opposition. The only reason I say that is like, if you really respect, um, you know, the, the defense, and if you really respect what, what their athletes can do, like I, he will against Clemson, look Clemson, I know they haven't played. They've only played one good offense from Duke, um, but they're not giving up a lot of passing yards. They're not giving up a lot of completions. They're not giving up a lot of, they think they got four picks with one touchdown passing against them. They're averaging like giving up like four and a half yards, a, a pass attempt. Uh, this is a defense that's been very good even against the pass. And so, you know, if you if you respect that more, maybe then you're more willing to stay within the offense and really just look for the, the you know, the sure things and then take chances when they're there. So that's my only theory is that maybe, you know, you look at these couple of games and maybe it's not as much respect uh, for the opposing de- defensive backs. I think it's a good hypothesis. Um, I think it's largely true. Uh, you know, I think Lawrence Tofili might be the, fir- the first read on a third down play, given the situation. Um, it, you, you can't know for sure. And I'm not trying to say yeah. it's 100%. I think Jaheim Bell might be a first read in a couple of other plays in this game where you're taking a downfield shot. And you know, I don't I th- love getting in that habit, Ira. You know, who used to do that a lot was Jameis and it worked, but you know, there's Devonta Freeman underneath and there's nobody around him for 15, 20 yards. It's like my man. You well, know? I also thought, I think the play Jordan got hurt on, I think he had somebody and turned it down. Like he had a completion, a mid range completion and kind of yeah. turned it down. and was waiting for something else to develop. And then he ends up, now he ends up having to scramble. And so, yeah, I mean, I, but man, like, yeah, players get better. NFL players get better. So certainly college yeah. seniors can get better. Yeah, this is a different problem. You know, before it was, uh, we've only got two or three good dudes right now, and two of them are covered. So let me go to the third good dude, or, or you know, yeah. uh, I don't have four or five game breakers at the ready and guys that can win one on one. So even when they're covered, they're not. Uh, it's just, it, it's a different problem to sort through. But I think you're right. I, I would prefer that he respects the game every week, but uh, against Clemson, I, I think you should see a higher level of that up and down the board. Uh, last thing on, on last week, and then we, we look forward and we answer your questions here. But Keon Coleman, he was out of sorts, um, and so the target count was down as well. Uh, Mike Norvell was asked about that today. I mean, however you want to run with it, how, how would you assess the Keon Coleman issue if it even is an issue? Yeah, I don't know that it's an issue in terms of, um, you know, the fact that, he you know, he missed he made some mistakes um, in terms of, like, I don't think that was a related – I think some people make will make the correlation. Well, he wasn't getting targeted, so he wasn't, you know, maybe doing all the other things he needed to be doing. I don't know. I just think that it was he, he's another guy. And this is the kind of the question I, I was trying to ask Alex Atkins, but I don't know if I was asking it correctly. But you know, a lot of these guys that have played a lot of football, you know, he he was on a bad team last year. 
you know, yeah. the, uh, you know, Keon did not play for, I and mean, I know they, his first year, they might've been pretty good, but like last year, I can't remember what they were two years ago, but last year they were not good. Um, you know, you've got Keandre Jones was Auburn. They were not very good. Um, you know, and I'm going to just single those guys out, but a lot of these guys were on teams that now they're playing in games that mean a whole lot for a top five team in the country. So you, you assume they're going to have the, the best habits in those moments, but maybe they don't because they just, in the, and uh, somebody on the message boards, uh, Seminole 72 for people that are on our message boards uh, had a good point. He said, you know, also a lot of these transfers, even though they're experienced, they may not feel comfortable kind of confronting teammates yet. You know, they're, they're, this is their first year in the program. So maybe it's unrealistic to ask those guys to be leaders, but, but Keon's another guy that I felt like when things were not going well, he didn't go out and, and, and assert himself and, and take over and, and make, you know, do the right things. And, and, you know, we've, he's a willing blocker. So why weren't you not in that situation? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, so to me, he just kind of falls in line with everybody else. And I just felt like he kind of lost his way um, as they all did. Yeah. And we all agree. Once again, we'll come back to the point, you know, maybe some of the things that, that reared their head this weekend won't be an issue at all with Clemson because of the, the stature of the game. Like, you know, so unfortunately you would like to have a, a group that is prepared for each opponent, like maybe 10 years ago where that team wanted to take your soul, if you were capable of doing anything about it or not, but this group is learning on the fly how, how to deal with those uh, ups and downs. But like on the, the play where, you know, people are killing Keon for not blocking for, to- for Tofili. Yeah. That killed that play, but he must not have thought that was the play. Like he must have, either got the sign wrong or, or, you know, there must've been something in miscommunication there. And again, that's on him. If everybody else knew it, you know, he's got to get the call, but you know, I don't think it's just a case where he's like, you know, I'm not going to block on this play. Yeah. It was a tough day all around for a lot of guys. Uh, there are a few dudes who played like legit well the whole time. Uh, I know Rodney Hill is somebody that people will point to a lot. I thought um, Les Harris played pretty well. I thought Renardo green, Renardo green, well. man. Played yeah. physical and fast. He was Azaria Thomas, right? Yes. I mean, you know, so it wasn't all all bad. And now we get to the fun week, which is Clemson, and we're going to get to your questions in just a second here. Uh, but just in case you're ready to sign up for WarChant.com and get all the latest coverage uh, when it comes to team reporting, Ira leads the way for the entirety of the site. Uh, but he has the wisdom to handle situations like this, where you're mad but you're also three and zero. How do we handle that? Help us, Ira. That's why he writes a 3-2-1 to help put it all in perspective, Corey Clark and everybody else. 50% off right now. It's a big game special. 50% off an annual subscription. This is for new subscribers only. But hop over to warchant.com. We're celebrating the big game. And so, therefore, an annual subscription is 50% off. Again, for new subscribers only, head over to the website right now. And if you do become a member of warchant.com, you get benefits such as Warchant Days with our friends at Garnet and Gold. Happening this Thursday, the 21st of the month. 20% off all t-shirts at Garnet and Gold. They have a lot of them, and they have a lot of really, really good ones. So what happens is when you're a member, we put out a code that morning. You get the code. You apply the code. You get 20% off of all t-shirts. It's pretty cool. Uh, that's just one of the many, many benefits to being a member of Warchant.com. We hope to see you as a part of the largest FSU fan community in the business very soon. But back to the matters at hand for questions. Director Ben has some behind-the-scenes queued up for us. So feel free to fire away, Director. And we have Startup Talk who says, can someone explain the defensive tackle play? I'm hearing we're deep and best in class, but I'm not seeing much on the field. I, I would take issue with that, but go, Ira, I see that I, you're 
that, I think it's a little, I think it's, it depends on which player you're watching. I mean, yeah. I think there, there are times where they're flat out dominant. Um, yeah. I thought in a couple of those short yardage situations with Boston College, first of all, one thing I would say, and this was something we really didn't write about or talk about because we didn't expect this to be that great of a game. BC does have some studs on the offensive line. Like they've got legitimate, they've got at least one or two NFL prospects on their offensive line. BC traditionally has been very good on the offensive line and they had some, some big dudes up there. Um, in those situations, I don't know that we saw the same fight mm-hmm. from the interior of the defensive line as we saw against LSU in those fourth and ones, or, um, you know, I don't know, maybe in, in other times and in, in other situations where we've seen them be a little bit. Now they did that. They did get the one fourth down stop, but there were a few of those third ones or fourth and ones where BC did get a really good push. So I could see where that's coming from, but yeah. also, man, there's a reason teams convert a lot of third and ones and fourth and ones. That's a big ask. Like you're, you're not going to shut down everybody on fourth and one. Um, if yeah. you just like to see more push. Uh, I, if I'm suspecting a, a group that may have not been a hundred percent, I'm going to suspect the defensive <laughs> interior might've been one uh, because startup talk. Here's what I'd say. They were outstanding in the LSU game. I mean, flat out outstanding LSU could not run traditionally. Braden Fisk within about 10 snaps was doubled the rest of the night because they knew he was a problem. Josh Farmer's been fantastic. Um, you know, th- there may be some subtext there. I, I don't know that for sure either. That's not me like wink, wink, nod, nod. It's just, it, there were a couple of plays where I'm thinking that doesn't happen to you. Uh, but uh, overall, I think this defensive tackle group is very much a strength and yeah, very, I think very- yeah. And this man, that's going to be the, that's going to be a big talking point this week because yep. Florida state, I think is very good at stopping the run traditional running game and Clemson's great at running the football. So that's going to be a great clash. What a matchup. Yeah. I, I think it, it's about making sure that the linebackers are in the right place too to go make the plays, but that's a war. I can't wait to yeah, watch yeah. that on Saturday at noon. So thank you. Startup talk for your question. Next up, John, do you think Jordan is taking too many chances this year because he's almost overconfident with all these new weapons? I think uh, I'll, I'll start with this. I, I think that's correct, but I don't know in the way that you're asking it, John, I, I think he has been rewarded throughout fall camp since Keon Coleman's gotten on campus with one-on-ones. Keon is unbelievable in one-on-one situations. In the LSU game, rewarded once again. And we he already knew what he had in Johnny in one-on-ones. So I think he's got a lot of confidence in them in an earnest way. Not like he's arrogant and saying that nobody can cover them. But uh, what what do you think, Ira? Yeah, I think I think that's probably fair. Um, it's, you know, it's trusting those guys to make plays and giving them opportunities to make plays. At the same time, you know, man, those plays will keep coming yeah. if you if you just play within the offense. Um, yeah. And I think that's got to be the message from, I would assume. And, you know, like Alex Atkins talked about today, uh, if you watch his press conference today, he talked about how Jordan is taking such a cerebral approach to the game. Like he wants to know every detail of why are they running this play? Why are they doing this sequence? What is this setting up and all that? And that's great. But it's also like, you know, it, we're not figuring out a math quiz, you know, sometimes yeah. you just got to go take the easy play. And so, so I, you know, I think there's stuff they're working through a little bit. Yeah, man. Uh, the, the paralysis by analysis issue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Cause Kayvon said, I saw Ben put it up uh, less 50 fifties. How about more 95, five balls. And right. when you've got freaks like this, dudes are going to be wide open, right? And they're going to be right in front of your face because the defensive coordinator is scared, you know, crapless 
of what's going on behind him. So, yeah, uh, agreed there. Daniel asks, is Akeem Dent that important to the defensive back coverage plans? I never thought he was a stud, but the absence was obvious in terms of blown coverages. What did you make of that, Ira? Do you think it was as simple as Akeem maybe is a is a traffic cop out there? I don't know. I mean, it's one more guy that's played a ton. It's one more guy that would communicate a ton. Um, I, you know, again, I think that what happens a lot of times with younger players, and so you get Ashland Barker out there. I'm not blaming him, but you get Ashland Barker out there. You get Hussey out there. You get Omar Graham out there. You get um, some of those younger players. They're not going to be as willing to communicate. I just know that from like watching my, you know, my kids play sports or just being around high school sports and then seeing college sports. And then you see like really elite level college or, or pro sports. The communication is constant and it's over communication. And when the younger players out there, a lot of times they're not as confident to do that. So I think that it would have been nice to have another veteran who's communicating and there's just that continuity. Um, I don't know that I think him physically was the problem, but I think maybe like you mentioned earlier, you got the situations where you look out there and the two linebackers are uh, Omar Graham and Lundy. Um, and then you look in, okay, well, now Ashlyn Barker's at safety. Well, now you've got three guys in the middle of that defense that are not three of your best 11 players, and it yeah. can lead to some issues. And it's a 10-10 ball game. Like I'm all for getting guys' development, but folks, what are we I mean, It's just when the game's in the balance, if it's possible, and if they were healthy enough to handle the snap count, maybe they weren't because there's a bug going through the team. OTR Turner says, why haven't we been playing Biscuit more, especially in the run packages? I think that's a wonderful question. I, uh, I said it in the press box. There was one of those yeah. late runs where they're trying to get first downs and end the clock. And I literally, I said, to, I was sitting next to Kurt Weiler from the Osceola, and I said, why would 85 not be out there? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe, yeah. maybe he was sick, though. He could have been. He was out there some in the game. Right. I mean, there were a few snaps. I saw him out there. Ira, this one um, – I don't know. I don't think this is uh, with the embargo in practice. I don't think I'm violating it at all. I, I just, there was no indication to me that we would not see a ton of Marquise and Douglas coming out of fall camp. I thought we would see a ton of him. It seemed like that they were preparing to run him out there a bunch. It's just, could it be injury? Like, I, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. He looked pretty, looked pretty healthy running that long touchdown last week. So. He did. I, I don't get it. I hope we see more of 85. I'm with you all the way. I get the question, and I get why you're asking. Uh, Hogwatcher, big-time game this week. More about mindset and hurdle of beating the champ to become the champion. I think there will be better ter- uh, better teams down the road. This game is all about the slay the dragon mentality. Yeah, I mean, looking at what Miami's offense is, maybe that's going to be uh, obviously a, a bigger threat than Clemson's offense, player for player. But nobody doubts that they're going to be hyped up for this game Ira, right it's just a matter of maybe about not being too overhyped for the moment maybe more than more than underhyped yeah you know and I just like I, I go back to last year and, and to I you know I get the point I don't I'm not gonna say Clemson's not good you know like I think there's a perception because they did get beat by Duke and yeah. we all know what everybody thinks of Duke this Duke team might be pretty good um they do have a like I think 17 or 18 guys starters back plus they got some good transfers I mean that's a legit football team um and Clemson turned the ball over a ton of times. And if you turn the ball over, we just saw what happens. If you if you just start turning the ball over, games can get easy, even pretty quick. So Clemson's not – it's not like they're they're not good. Um, I don't think they're what they've been. And right. I think Florida State should be better than what they've been. They did look like it against LSU. Um, but so I, I, I don't – but I don't know that it's all about mental – except for this. I would say this. If you go back to that loss last year to Clemson, I felt like 
Florida State almost gave Clemson too much respect in that game. I thought, you know, defensively, they let Clemson get a lot of things underneath. Um, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like Clemson, Florida State was as assertive um, yep. as maybe you'd like to see. That has to be there Saturday. Cause this is a game where I think you're, if you are better than them, well, you need to be more assertive than them and take it to them and make them back down. If you don't, then they're going to start feeling like, you know, they can play with you. Yeah, let me compare it to uh, two other games we've seen in the last uh, 14, 15 games, Ira, which is LSU. They were assertive in both circumstances. I mean, you know, last year we were, at least I personally was stunned when I saw with LSU's receivers when they were out in the Superdome. They're in man across the board. There's one safety. They're not playing back and playing safe. They just said, bring it. Man for man. Let's see what you got. They did it again in Orlando. They played a little bit more soft this week, and I don't mean that in terms of effort. I just mean in terms of scheme. This week at Boston College, I think they they press, they do what they do against yeah. LSU, and then made the best man win, and that's where it gets really exciting because I think they'll get good results with that. Khalil asks, and Khalil, thank you for the contribution. Why do we suck at using our shifty, speedy guys in the medium game? Wright and Hill have been open but ignored multiple times. Morlock cannot block. Yeah, I, I would say next to Jaheim Bell, uh, the biggest victims of constant downfield shots are these particular players, Winston Wright and Destin Hill, there's a play that uh, the Toa Feely catch up the sideline uh, in Saturday's game. Yeah. It's a tremendous catch. I mean, it's an incredible throw and incredible catch, but I don't know that it was Destin where you had to go. Right in front of your face, and he's open. And you know what? If Destin Hill makes one guy miss, Destin Hill's a really fast dude. We've not seen any rhythm from Winston Wright or Destin Hill. What's interesting about that is, again, I go back to when Destin Hill got here in the summer, and I was talking to – somebody around the program, not one of the coaches on the field, but somebody around the program. And they made the comment that, you know, man, we're, this isn't, there's team, there's guys on this offense now where if you just dump off a pass, it could go 60 yards. Yep. You know, you have those kinds of playmakers now and it feels like, you know, getting them the ball quicker in rhythm and space as you're talking about, yeah, you know, you're going to have more chances to do that. So, man, I, th- I think it'll come, you know, we'll see. Yep. I, it wouldn't be surprised at all if, if we see it come this week. Cause Look, this is a game where Jordan's not going to want to sit back for five seconds. You know, Clemson's going to bring pressure. They're going to have good pass rushers. Um, so I would think you'll, you might see more of that. And the reality is, and again, I don't know what's in Mike Norvell's head, but if if he was trying to push the ball down the field these last couple of games, that could have been, you know, maybe not a little rope-a-dope, but, but you know, yeah. putting more of that on film if you feel like you're going to do more of the underneath stuff against Clemson. Yeah, I would say you know, the Jaheim Bell touchdown from this weekend, the one that was actually held up, even though he scored the other time, it's pretty instructive. It's short, sweet, and then Jaheim does what he does. He makes a couple guys miss, and that dude's a hoss. So, you know, that's I love, gets. by the way, I loved, Al, if you guys, again, Alex Atkins' press conference today, he has a wonderful line about Jaheim Bell. And he basically, it won't, he starts talking about Jaheim Bell, and at the end he goes, and he just like was kind of born to play football. And that was what I tweeted during the game when Trey and Tofili had their issues. I'm like, man, could you put six in running back? Yeah, I mean, that's right. what South Carolina did, and I don't yeah. think he wants to do that. But maybe just to get out of this game, because he's not going to mess around. Like he'll no. get you first downs. No, third and three. Um, you know, there was the end around to Keon. It's like, hey, man, this is a big situation. <laughs> There's no need to run out of bounds. You put your head down and you go. Jaheim Bell in an end around that situation is coming for blood, Ira. But isn't that a – I don't know, man. I guess that's where I go back to like – so, again, Keon, it's like, man, he's he is, he's been a pro since he got here, and yep. he, I think, has the best intentions. 
but again, man, like there's a mentality that comes with, and I think that's the difference between teams that are successful and have been successful and played in big moments and played in big games and the teams that haven't is learning those experiences. Cause yeah, man, there's no way you have to get that first down in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. They might be forging what it is that you're talking about right now, because there's been a lot of losing across the board. If you come here through the transfer portal, chances are you didn't leave a championship team to do so. So it's a great point. Tom in Atlanta, to me, the issues with the defense, we rank 101st out of 130 teams in total defense. Not going to cut it. It's early for the sample size, Tom. But yeah, if you look at the yardage totals, yeah. it's a lot. And what did Mike say today, Ira? It was like 12 plays on on second or third and long situations accounted for 200 and some odd yards. Yeah. Like it was it, it was about explosives for Boston College more than it was about, you know, systematically going five, six yards at a time. Yeah, I think uh, on third downs, uh, Castellanos was five of eight for over 100 yards. Yeah. And that's that ain't good. <laughs> From yeah, a defensive agreed. standpoint. Like I see that point, Briley, that a lot of teams have played nobody. We played a lot of somebody's. Like I'm sorry, I'm not going to retcon Boston College here. There are mistakes being made that led to hundreds of yards that are very basic. LSU, though, absolutely legit. Nick Reed, uh, you just want to see the staff utilize the roster in the most efficient way. Seems like they are still trying to figure out where things mesh. Yeah, I, that's totally fair. Yeah, and I don't know that there's going to be a great answer. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Like. I, I know it sounds ludicrous, but you have so many weapons and it. I, I'd be curious, man. I wasn't, you know, following Florida state as well as, um, you know, a lot of the people watching this were in the nineties, but like, how did they handle that when you had all Americans at receiver and running back and tight end? And, you know, I mean, it's just, that's, I do think there's a little bit of a challenge to that. And I think maybe a little bit of a learning curve, not, not necessarily for the coaching staff, maybe for the coaching staff too. Um, but just kind of like, at what point do you start, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure to how, to, how to pinpoint yeah. what they need to, to address that. There are a lot of things, though. It's like it's a lot of little things. It, it feels like there's no major glaring thing where you say, well, they can't block, you know, or they can't or, you know, uh, in terms of pass coverage, they, they just can't do it. They're terrible against the pass. It just seems like a lot of little things. Uh, but again, we expect them to be pretty buttoned up for Clemson. Robert, the last question of the night. We appreciate the contribution, sir. And then we'll talk about what we got coming up on Warchant TV and also obviously on Warchant.com for Clemson Week, which is massive. It says total defense is a meaningless stat this early. I tend to agree, Robert. How much of Saturday's defense, uh, defensive outing can be attributed to running what seemed to be a lot more like 4 3? Well, they didn't have very many three linebacker sets out there. Um, if you're talking about a, a standard of maybe a couple safeties deeper and maybe trying some different wrinkles, if they look different in terms of their scheme, Ira, you could see in the press box too. It wasn't quite the press man one high. Here we go against LSU as it, you know, there's something different for BC, but they didn't have three linebackers out there very much at all. Yeah. And they, I think they did it some a little bit. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like the base defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that it was, again, this is where I don't, and probably why I go more macro than micro than in a lot of cases is because, you know, it kind of goes back to that question earlier about uh, if one guy makes a mistake, then somebody tries to cover him. And then we all point to them. I always think back to when I first started covering Florida state a long time ago, there was a safety, uh, excuse me, there's a cornerback. Um, no, excuse me. There's a safety that got beat bad on a long pass. It looked like he got beat bad. And I remember talking to Mickey Andrews after the game, and he said, well, the problem was the corner was on that play. was corner was supposed to force him outside. He was not supposed to let him get inside of him. 
Well, once he did that, that screwed the safety, but we were all kind of ripping the safety. Mm -hmm. And so that's why like, you know, it's, it's hard. You don't want to get too carried away with whose mistake it was. And, and to that point, you know, to what he's saying, you know, it's, it's hard. Everybody wants to either pick, go after the player or go after the coaches. And I don't know. It's hard to know exactly because we're not in those meetings. So I'm not trying to, it's not a cop out. I yeah. just, I, I don't want to say, okay, it was a bad scheme. Um, always because, you know, that's the easiest thing to do. Um, yeah. I don't right. know. Coach him better. Right. You know, like what, like, okay, what does that even mean? Like, for example, their first touchdown, I think it's Kevin Knoll's responsibility, but it could have been Tatum's. Like it could have been one of the linebackers that are supposed to carry with the receiver in a zone. Like I, I, I can't tell. I don't know. There's nobody, not even a, a defensive mind in football could take a look and say, I don't know what this guy's responsibility was. That's where sometimes grading film, you know, some of the services that do, it's like, I, I don't know, man. It's, right. you, offense. It's a little bit easier to see he's running this route. He's supposed to go this way, but on defense, it's so much harder to parse. Hopefully we're parsing a big ass win for Florida state. After this weekend, uh, it is a noon kick against Clemson. That means that on Saturday, we don't have a graphic for this, Ben. Don't worry about it. But we got 11 a.m. pregame show and then the postgame show 10 to 15 minutes after. But what about all of the content in between here on the channel on Warchant TV? A lot of cool stuff coming up. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, it's going to be an awesome week, man. This is one of those weeks where there's some weeks, you know, going up to, you know, the Southern Miss game or maybe even to Boston College to some degree. It's like it's kind of drudgery a little bit, like, you know, manufacturing stories. But now this week is going to be awesome because there's uh, so much to write about and so there's so many cool matchups and then historically and then what it will mean for Florida State if they can get this win. We are loaded the hell up. So Ira and I had a diplomatic discourse about Florida State and what's wrong. I don't know tomorrow will be as diplomatic. We will find out. Seminal Headlines comes your way live at 1 o'clock on War Chan TV from the studios at 93.3 FM in Tallahassee tomorrow night. At 6, we have an Ask War Chant Anything video show. This is for WarChant.com members only. So sign up for that 50% special. You can join us tomorrow. Ask us anything you want over the course of an hour. A half an hour dedicated to team. A half an hour dedicated to Florida State recruiting. Big week for Florida State recruiting. And obviously uh, the Gators down south had a, had a good weekend. They went all in on that Tennessee game and it came up roses. So how does that affect Florida State? We can talk about that tomorrow in the AWA. Wednesday, back-to-back JCS. You got 1 o'clock live from the radio studio and then the interactive hour only on Warchant TV at 7 Thursday, more JCS, wake up, war chant at six, and we cap it with one final pre-suck at Clemson, Jeff Cameron show. Hopefully that's the case as FSU has not come away with a win since 2014. Uh, That's the schedule on the channel. There's so much content coming up on the website. We hope you become members this week with the great specials we're offering. Ira, what, uh, what would you like to preview first? Because we're loaded up this week all the way through kickoff. Yeah, Corey's actually going to, um, as soon as we get done with this, I'm going to post a story that Corey wrote about the defense, kind of looking, um, kind of what what we basically taking a survey of the defense through these first three games. We had a couple of questions about it in the chat tonight, so uh, people can read that. Um, but then also, you know, plenty of stuff coming uh, the next couple of days. Again, some of these matchups are going to be awesome. Um, and like, you know, looking at what Clemson has done over these last couple of games and trying to get a feel for you know, have they improved or is it because they played a lower level of competition? They played FAU and Charleston Southern had their way with them. Um, but we'll you know, t- kind of talking about some, a lot of those matchups and then also, uh, kind of looking at what Florida state has, um, you know, wh- where Florida state can attack Clemson in this week. So we'll have that coverage all through this week as well. And I saw somebody ask earlier, I meant to get to this. Uh, why was there no practice video today? It's because Tuesday, Wednesday are the days we get practice. So if you're still watching, sir, ma'am, 
rest assured, we didn't choose to not put video out there. We get access on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. Right? And Monday's, yeah, Monday's the one day off. Um, they come back, they play Saturday, Sunday night, they have a practice where they kind of go over their mistakes from the game. And then they, it's kind of like a walkthrough. And then they let the young guys have a practice, kind of like a scrimmage situation. The guys that didn't play in the game. And then Monday is off. That's the one off day. And then tomorrow there'll be a practice and we'll have coverage in the morning. We'll all be out there as long. We'll have video and we'll have plenty of uh, content coming after practice. All right. So kumbaya, everybody. This was a uh, parsing a lot of issues with Florida state, but let's, let's focus on this. This week, Sunday Smash returns, Sunday night, regular time, 7 o'clock. Florida State could be 4-0 heading into the bye week with every one of their goals in front of them, with the inside track to the ACC championship game, with the inside track to the college football playoff. That's 60 minutes away. It could happen. And it's you wouldn't think this isn't a game where Florida State has to go out and play incredible, right? I mean, Florida State, if play, if Florida State plays well, I feel like they'll win this game. Yep. Uh, and so, man, it's right there for them. It is it is right there for them. So even with all these things that we rightfully, Mike Norvell did. Hell, he's still talking about it, probably on his coach's show tonight, some of their issues. Man, it's right in front of you. This is what you were hoping for was 4-0. So please join us over on the website, warchant.com. Sign up today and uh, hit the like button underneath this video and subscribe to Warchant TV. It's absolutely free. Thank you to State Farm agent Russ Forhis, longtime supporter of Florida State Athletics and one of the OGs at warchant.com for his support of Monday Smash. Thank you to Justin. Thank you to Khalil, Tom, and Robert for their contributions tonight. To all of you who ask questions, thank you very much. You make the program so much better. For Director Ben and Irish Rafael, my name is Tom Lang. This has been Monday Smash. We will talk to you on Warchant TV in the morning. Good night, everybody. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.